Welcome to GleeCast, the somewhat occasionally weekly home of Glee and casting. Here are your hosts, Emily and Erica. And how are we feeling? Um, kind of stuffy. Yeah, but alive. Alive, nonetheless, yeah. Okay. I'm starting to think it's me and that I have a typhoid Mary effect on people because Brandon is also very sick this weekend and I'm fine <laughs> as I usually am. It takes a lot to bring me down. I was yeah, like, that's a challenge. Just sick. I don't understand. Yeah. Did you get a flu shot? Um, no, but I haven't gotten the flu, so. Right. Did you, um, I don't know, get the plague? Possibly. It seems. It might be. Uh, that, well, I'm sorry. I'm, you sound better than <laughs> I assumed you would sound, so that's good. Yeah. Thanks. But, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, you're welcome. Erica's sick. I'm not. We're Glee Guest. Hello. And uh, we're here to talk about feud, if you will. Yes. Indeed. Before we uh, dive into that, uh, other things happening in the world that you'd like to discuss? Um, sure. I will talk about... Once Upon a Time, which I started watching on my sickness, on my sick bed. <laughs> now, Once Upon a Time is... Um, the ABC one. Is, I, we've, we've gone over this before. I refuse to believe that there is a difference between Once Upon a Time and Grimm. To me, it's just the same show. No, granted, I've never watched a single episode of either. <laughs> but just, just the fact that they both came out at the same time, um, I've just decided, no, not for me, because I can't take two of, two of the same thing. Okay, well, from what I understand, Grimm is basically, like, CSI fairy tales. Right. And Once Upon a Time is um, the fairy tale characters, like, in our world, but not but not entirely, because it really takes... You have a lot of... Basically, the entire first season, every episode has two mirroring stories, one taking place in the past in the fairy tale realm, and one okay. taking... Uh, place in the future basically the premise is that the ev- snow white's evil queen her her stepmother um cat put an evil curse on all of the enchanted forest and uh-huh. moved all of the fairy tale characters to our world and they don't know who they are okay and it's this um this girl emma who is jamie from grind which i love <laughs> um grind i'm like you went from grime to starring in an abc family drama i'm so proud of you show. <laughs> um it's basically her job to i don't want to go into all the details but it's basically well in the first it happens in the first episode she she has a son that she gave up for adoption and the evil queen adopted him mm-hmm. so he goes to find her and he has this book of fairy tales and he's like and the curse is in there and everything and he's like this is true like we have to release these people and break the curse and she's like you're a crazy little kid but it's really it's really good i'm on i mean it's airing now it's season 2 so i'm catching up and tonight is um episode 16 i think and i'm on like 10 so okay so now are you going to also watch Grimm or no um not for I right just now feel like you can't have one without the other no i think you can i really i didn't know the premise of either of them mm-hmm. and um, someone was talking about Once Upon a Time, and I was like, I don't have anything to watch. I'll watch this. And um, I got really wrapped up in it really quickly, and it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. Because it, 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 well, oh, did you, I didn't know. Did you know it's mostly Lost and Whedonverse writers? Oh, I did not know that. That actually piqued that, my interest. Yes. It's because I was talking, Lisa apparently watches it, which I didn't know, and I was talking to her about it, and I was like, oh my God, like, there's, 
continuity and like thing there's like things <laughs> in um in there's like things in a shop that in um in the real world that are just like in this pawn shop and they show up in the fairy tale world without them being like look here is the mobile that hung over this baby's bed in this episode like you know the way glee would point it out like yeah yeah like they it's really well written and it's a very tight story and they have a lot of really interesting takes on like the fairy tales that you know so i love okay. stuff like that i love like different takes on stories like that you already kingdom. know i didn't watch the 10th kingdom you were the 10th kingdom i no. remember being so excited when it came on and i taped every every all of the uh installments it's not very good but i liked it at the time i did not um but yeah, but it's really well written, and I think you would enjoy it, especially because it because uh, it is a lot of lost. And Jane Espenson mm-hmm. has done a lot of episodes too, so. And I do love her. Now, is and it on Instant Watch? Uh, season one is on Netflix Instant. Okay. Um, season two is like wrapping up within the next two months, so I assume it'll be on there shortly. Probably pretty soon, yeah. But I think that you could watch season one and feel satisfied because it has a cliffhanger, but like it is its own story too at the same time. Oh, okay. Um, cause I wasn't completely like the first three or four episodes of season two. I was like, I don't know how I feel about this season. I was really happy with season one, but now it picked up again and I'm into it again. Not ah, groovy. Uh, maybe, maybe I will check it out. You should. Cause it's good. Okay. okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, RuPaul well, happy St. Patrick's day, by the oh, way. Yeah, happy St. Patrick's day. Are you doing anything St. Patrick's-y? No, my dad made corned beef and cabbage, but I don't even think I like it. Ooh, I love corned beef. I... Uh, did very briefly, but it's kind of become. There was like, for some reason. Did you OD on corned beef? Well, no, my dad and brother did, and I didn't. But they would always leave it. Have you ever cooked okay. it yourself? No, I have not. It's really. It's, I don't really cook meat because it's too complicated. Yeah, well, you basically just like boil it in a pot, and like, if you leave it there, like my dad and brother were like obsessed with it for a few months and they kept making it and then leaving it mm-hmm. in the pot in the water on the stove and all yeah, the fat. Yeah, so have the smell house the entire time and all the fat was floating on top it was gross so it kind of grosses me out but i'll eat it once in a while yeah the only st patrick's day thing i'm doing is i have leprechaun on mute while we're recording so i I get to watch he just killed somebody with a pogo stick which is one of my favorite kills of all time so (laughs) that's that's the extent of my st patrick's dayness um yeah rupaul's drag race yes how i loved this episode it was a good episode no, it was the roast where they had to roast RuPaul. Yeah. And again, I liked it, and I think you probably did too for the same reasons, because it tested the girls' comedy skills, and it wasn't all about glamour. Um, and, I mean, the ones who you, you would expect to soar did, and the ones you expected to fail pretty much did. Mm-hmm. You know, Jinx was awesome again. Yep. Alaska did great. Deezbox um, did well, except for the cursing. Exactly. Um, Alyssa was terrible. Mm-hmm. Roxy actually kind of surprised me, because she was, she was pretty bad. Um, yeah, but she pulled it out of the lip sync and it was fine. Oh, she did. Yeah. But the, uh, the, see, now I've switched my allegiance before earlier, even though like in the end I'm team Jinx all the way, but as far as like the rivalry, I was team Coco, but now I'm kind of team Alyssa, but, uh, Coco did better in the roast. She did. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel like I just feel bad for Alyssa. But this episode made me be like, I don't know. Because, like, she well, thought she was so funny and she really wasn't, and it bothered me. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think she, again, she's not my kind of drag queen because she's not funny or smart. Yeah. Um, she's more a glamour girl. But it's more from Untucked that I've started to like her more than Coco because Coco is yeah. such a cunt in Untucked, whereas Alyssa does seem to genuinely be like, oh, okay, yeah, she might be a nice person underneath everything. I didn't watch this week's Untucked. Oh, okay. It was, there were baby pictures of them. That was cute. Oh. Um, Smash? Uh, I still haven't caught up. Okay. Well, the big announcement is that as of April 6th, it's moving to Saturday nights. Yeah, which is where it's going to die. It's going to die there. I, I think they're going to let it air out the, the rest of the season because I think it's already been produced. So there's no point in not airing it, especially on Saturday night where it'll get better ratings than whatever else is on there right now. Yeah. Um, I'm happy about that because it means I don't have to deal with changing my DVR every Tuesday. Oh, that's right. I could actually DVR it now. <laughs> Yeah, so that's good. Um, this week was marginally better. Uh, it was about primarily that. I don't even know what it was about. I don't know. It was a fringe show, and Jeremy Jordan's still a jerk. And um, But like they did a little more about like staging things. So you actually got to see the whole reason Smash is interesting, which is the behind the scenes of a Broadway musical stuff. And that part of it was still good, but the show was just such a fucking train wreck. <laughs> um, so that was Smash. Um, I have been catching up on a little something. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I have one episode left of Game of Thrones Season 2. Oh. I'm quite excited for, of course, in, what have we got now, two weeks before Season 3? Yep, March 31st. Yeah, TikTok! I'm excited. I'm especially excited because I have finished all the books now, so at this point, like, I know everything that can possibly be known about it, so I don't, I feel like nothing can spoil anything for me, so that's exciting. Um, oh, 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 I saw a really cute show this week in New York. Tell us about it. I will. Um, it was a musical, um, stage show of Benicula. Did you read these books as a kid? I did not. I didn't either, but I remember them. They were, I guess, pretty popular children's books. Um, and it was a series. It was, I think there were like three or four of them. And it was, the books are narrated by a dog and it's about the family dog and there's also a family cat. And his family adopts a bunny, and they think the bunny's a vampire. Um, and so this was just a little, like, 65-minute musical telling of it. And it was really cute, and it was really funny. And the best part of it was the book was written by Charles Bush, um, who is a also a drag queen. And he did um, Psycho Beach Party and oh. Die, Mommy, Die, or his two big things. I love Psycho Beach Party. Yeah. So this, like, he, it was great because it was the gayest children's musical you've ever seen. <laughs> Because like it was totally, I mean, it was totally kid friendly, totally appealing to kids. There were all these kids in the audience, and like they were all having fun. It was adorable, but at the same time, like there were so many jokes that I'm like, oh, I think that's meant for someone like me. <laughs> so it was re- it was really cute and really fun. Um, I don't know what life it will have beyond being off Broadway in New York, but um, if it comes near you, then I urge you all to check it out because it was really really cute and like it was just like I was smiling the entire time. So that was fun. Nice. Yeah, um, I don't think I have anything else. Do you have anything else? No, let's talk about Glee. All right, so this episode, um, Feud, was written by... Now, this this episode was handled by two kind of old-school Glee guys. It was written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, who has written quite a few episodes, and it was directed by Bradley Buker, who has directed quite a bunch of episodes. Um, all right, so... <clears throat> 
the glee cap. Break out the boxing gloves for this week's feuding glee, where Will battles Finn over a little kiss. Jake battles, well, uh, mumbles at Ryder over his little kiss. Ryder battles Unique over her sex. And Sue holds Blaine responsible for a lifetime contract he apparently signed when he joined the Cheerios. Back in New York, Rachel's pregnancy fears are proven unfounded, though Santana's anti-Brody crusade gets her ejected from Bushwick. Her vengeance? Sending Finn to confront our most hairless American gigolo. Also, Ryder is chatting a mystery woman, and it's not creepy at all. Tina sort of had something to do. Kitty's heart warmed like stew, and someone's hotel bill is going to include a desk or two, and that's what you missed on <gasps> Glee! So this episode, feud, a uh, couple of, uh, the stories were all kind of paired off. Where would you like to start? Do you have a preference? No, I have no preference. <laughs> all right, Ohio or New York? Um, we could just do New York and get it done with. Okay, so we find out very quickly that Rachel is not pregnant, and we find out very quickly that Brody is indeed Amer- an American gigolo, which made me happy because yes. I didn't like to be a drug dealer. Um, now, so when, Santana, mm-hmm. when they first showed that part of the guy talking to him in the lobby, like since he was in a hotel, my first thought was, "Wait, so he's a bellboy?" Like I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, he's a bellhop? I don't understand. And then I was like, oh, 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 sorry. You thought bellhop, and my first thought was, I'm like, oh, I'm like, he's a gay male escort. Uh, I'm like, now we're getting somewhere. And then that It would have been. Like, that just would have been more interesting. Yeah. Um, But okay. So instead, yeah, you know, he's he's just sleeping with women for money to pay for his tuition. Um, Okay. So now... What do we have with this? We have Santana confronts him with the Paul Abdul song at Niada, which then makes Rachel say, get out. Yeah. Um, and it ends with Santana <laughs> confronting Brody via Finn. Yeah, that was just weird, wasn't it? It really was. Um, it, and it was not where I saw, I will give it credit because it was not where I saw that going. Like, I didn't quite know what Santana was going to do with the information. And I don't know. And even that in itself was kind of. I don't know, like, there, there's a lot, I guess, of oddness in the relationship of Santana and Rachel and Kurt in that, like, they're kind of choosing Brody over her. Okay, well, what's going to happen when they find out? See, I thought when she initially revealed that there was someone else in the room, I thought it was going to be Kurt. And, like, because Rachel trusts Kurt, like, I thought right. she was like, well, let me bring Kurt and then he'll be able to, like, tell Rachel. Right, which would make more sense. Right. Then Finn, who just threatened him and was like, stay away. So now Rachel's just going to be... Stay away from my future, future wife. wife. Yeah. Somebody's been watching the room. Seriously. Uh, Lisa. Um, I'm like your wife. So, yeah, it was just weird. So now, like, Rachel's just going to be mopey and sad that Brody's nowhere to be found. Like, Well, it's not like he's, he can drop out of school. Like, she's going to see him at Niada, isn't she? Yeah, because I guess for all for, for all we know, he's completely taken over Cassidy's class because that, he was like, "Kind of seemed to be the case." This will not be enough for her. Like that was we had one line about her this week. Yeah, it so it's strange because I mean we don't know really what can happen there because obviously Brody's not really going anywhere. Um, and just the Finn, it was so weird too because you had back in Ohio, you had kind of this like nice Finn closure. 
of like Finn kind of getting something to do and, and something to aim at. And then the next thing we see, we're like, wait, so where did he get money to fly back to New York? Dude, I'll tell you right now. I just booked a flight to Ohio for this weekend and flights are not cheap right now. Airfare is expensive. So how all these kids are going back and forth with no jobs, I just don't know. Well, maybe it was Santana's uh, mom money. Oh, it's possible. She's just She paid for it. <laughs> well, yeah, but now she has to save to get a place. Yeah, true. Since, yeah, since she was kicked out of her free Bushwick thing. I don't know. So confusing. So that was just weird overall. Um, there were things I liked about the New York stuff just because, I don't know, I kind of like... Um, Kurt had a couple of good like line delivery kind of things, and I, I kind of buy the living situation and where they're at. I liked the conversation between Rachel and Santana of Santana saying like, "This is a moment to stop and think about things," and Rachel just being like, "Nope, I'm I'm good, moving on." Like that was just believable to me. From like I could see like that happening between like me and a friend, and that being the kind of uh, like what happens with it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it just was such a strange trajectory, and to include Finn in it just was baffling. Yeah. But all right. So Ohio. Ohio. All right. Let's start with uh, Will and Finn. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Will's still being a dick. Uh, they have a, a song feud and it seems to end okay. And then Will's like, no, I'm still going to be a dick. And then Marley tells Finn he should be a teacher. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I should. And everything seemed fine. And then he went to New York. And he went to New York. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the rest of it, I like. I was, it was like the one time I'm like, wow, I actually, this scene with Marley makes sense because they've established Marley and Finn in a couple of episodes ago where, you know, he, like after she fucked up, fucked them up at regionals and like he kind of stood by her. It's so, like there was that kind of establishment of like, yeah, it makes sense that she would write him a thank you note and come to say goodbye. And I liked, you know, the scene was kind of funny. It, it I liked that. It was just such a weird then ending to have him then go to New York. Yeah. Um, other than that, it was fine, though. I mean, mm-hmm. Will, yeah, he could be angry. I don't know. I, I mean, if everything had worked out, then I would pick on it. Like, if Will and Emma were married, then I would be like, well, why is he still mad? Like, everything worked out. But mm-hmm. I guess he could still be mad because things didn't work out. So yeah, I, I guess it is understandable. Give it a pass for now. Yeah, I just I hate when characters that are friends are fighting on TV. <laughs> I hate yeah. it when it happens in real life, and I hate it on TV. Um, so I don't enjoy watching it, but I will buy that he would still be angry. Okay. I'll buy that. Um, okay, so well, let's let's okay, let's get we'll save these guys for last. Um, so Sue and Blaine. Oh, I just hated this whole thing. I hate- I kind of did, except it worked out for me in the end because the reveal really did surprise me. Right, but if that was the reveal, like, why, like, I don't, well, the reveal being that Blaine is going to bring down Sue from the inside, but, Mm -hmm. like, it was Sue that went to him to say, you haven't been at Cheerio's practice. So, like, how was that part of him and Sam's plan? Well, maybe that's how it started, and then Blaine and Sam, in a scene we didn't see, were like, yo, I have to be at Cheerio again. And he's like, yo, we should use this as an opportunity to take Sue down. And Blaine's like, yeah. All right, but then they should have shot that scene. No, I don't think so, because I was okay with the kind of end reveal. Because it was, I was like, whoa! And I rarely do that with Glee now, so I was okay (laughs) with it. I I was okay with the reveal, but it doesn't doesn't line up for me, but I'll give it a pass for now, because I feel like that's what I have to do for Glee. 
See, my um, issue is I don't really know Nicki Minaj at all. So all of that stuff to me was just not funny. Oh, it wasn't like, funny anyway. And I was okay. em- I was embarrassed for Jane Lynch this entire episode. Yes, I totally was. And I kind of let it go thinking, well, maybe it's because like maybe she really is doing a Nicki Minaj thing. I don't know. I've never actually heard the woman speak. Um, but it yeah, so it just fell really flat. Yeah, it no, it was embarrassing. It was awful. I okay. I don't ever want to see that again. It, it, <laughs> it hurt my heart. It really did. All right. Well, now let's let's close up with the kids. Yes. All right. So Marley and Jake. I don't know what happens. They decide they're okay, but Jake is still mad at Ryder. But Marley's not. And then Ryder. So Ryder is mad at Jake, and Ryder and Unique have an issue. Um. And this, to me, actually was somewhat interesting because we it's something that Glee has never really done that much of is, like, you either kind of have two schools on Glee. You have the kids who are totally open to anybody being gay or bi or anything, or you have, you know, the, um, uh, you know, you have, like, the jocks who are just, like, going to beat up the gay kids kind mm-hmm. of thing. So the idea that Ryder, who, you know, we like, we have no reason not to, because he's been, you know, always portrayed as, like, a nice kid, that that he would just genuinely be confused by Unique was really interesting to me. Because it, you know, it wasn't painting him as, like, a bad character. It was just, like, genuinely asking, like, look, if you were a 16-year-old boy, you might not be so willing to, you know, call somebody who you know is um, biologically male a female. And I thought there was something interesting going on there. They just kind of threw it away really quickly. Yeah. And I wish they would have used like better terminology. Like, cause mm. like, like you just said, biologically, like that's an important word I feel like to use in that conversation. Like if Ryder had been like, I am confused because not, he shouldn't have been like, yesterday you were dressed like a dude. Today you're dressed like a girl. Like, you, you know, he should have said biologically you're a male, but you dress like mm-hmm. a female. That confuses me. Like I think, it could have been better written because it was an okay. interesting story point. And it I just... almost feel, yeah, like they were trying to write him as a 16-year-old boy, but, like, come on, 16-year-old boys aren't that stupid. Yeah. Like, they would say other things other than, yesterday you were dude. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think they missed out on using, like, the word biologically. I think that was an important word to that storyline mm-hmm. that they just ignored. Yeah, physically. Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. And th- But other than that, it was interesting yeah i mean i wish it i almost wish it wasn't resolved so quickly because i think and not that it had to be like dragged out over episodes but it just was kind of introduced and then by the end i don't i don't even remember what changed it it was what the oh god we'll get to this the chat conversation um yeah yeah like it it just seems like there was more potential for like an actual dialogue between him and unique where they kind of you know, where he kind of says, like, well, I'm, you know, all, talks about all these things that confuses him. So I kind of do feel like it was a missed opportunity there. Yeah, agreed. So let's talk about the show. Oh, and so Kitty is now um, okay with everything and everyone. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay with it just because I like knowing where Kitty stands. Because <laughs> I've been so confused by the character, as have the Glee writers and the poor actress. Um, so that's that's that. But let's talk about the chat. <laughs> his his eye chat with the girl uh, um, Katie XOXO so who do you think is Katie do we think he's getting catfished I did write oh, that he's totally getting catfished <laughs> the question is how is she like an adult because at one point they did like 
like there, there was um the AV Club did a great write up about this episode and like because they pointed out how creepy so many of the directing choices were in this episode. Um, and the one we'll get to was like the the Brody going to the hotel room. You caught that, right? What? When Brody was going to the hotel at the very end, they did this like thing where there was a long shot of the hallway and it was very shining esque. But then they showed like <laughs> this like figure like flashing like closer and closer and then it was like Brody walking up you didn't catch this no I it was didn't... like right coming back from a commercial so maybe you if you were DVR you might have like accidentally fast forwarded through it I probably it... just wasn't paying attention no but it was so fucking weird it was like very Twin Peaksy, very David Lynchy. like it it like there's no way to describe it well it is um like what was... was flashing at the camera another person no it was I mean okay or it was him right, getting closer let me try to visualize this Wait, I'm gonna. I'll switch over and fast forward to it. Okay, it's but you describe it. Last commercial break. It's right before the fight. Okay. Um. So you've got Brody. The camera is on the hallway as as the scene is. Brody brought Brody walking up to the hotel, opening up the door, and Santana's inside. Right. But the way the scene started was you had the hallway and you had a like a figure right at in front of the camera but then it flashed and it was gone and then it flashed again and then you saw a figure walking towards you and it was flashing and then finally it's just brody opening up the door all right i'm fast forwarding okay because there was also like during i think it was during sue's song like there was like a, sh- a point of view shot from the lockers as they all closed like you had some weird shit going on in this episode um, and I guess it was this Bradley Buker, who I think has also directed a lot of American Horror Stories. And maybe oh, was like, he's so- just like getting confused. Yeah, if he was, <laughs> he doesn't know what show he's doing. Like, yeah, he shows up on set and he's like, hey, where's Dylan McDermott? Oh, 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 it's the other yeah, show. I, right. I already staged this one with the, the DOP and we're doing it this way. Oh, it'll work. We'll just do it. Nobody will notice. Like, seriously, there were some weird things. So then with that, when you have the last scene of Ryder chatting and he's like, and he's like, you know, can I see you? And then it's like five seconds of nothing. And it's him looking around and they cut to a librarian at one point. I'm like, holy shit, it's the librarian. I the librarian. <laughs> I, I was, that. I was excited okay, by wait, that. I found the part. Okay. It's okay. Not a commercial break. It's okay. It's, it's, it's him walking up the hotel, the room, right? Yeah. Watch it. The long hallway. Oh, right. <laughs> Seriously, it's just him, like flashing closer. It's like like Fight Club. It's kind of Fight Club-ish. See if I can frame by frame back. Weird. I'll confirm that it's Brody. But so between that and then the next scene, you have Ryder looking around trying to see who's catfishing him. They finally listen to us. It's they're they're Tyler Durdening it. (laughs) I hope so. Oh, like this was a weirdly directed episode. And I mean, more credit to it because I do think it made it visually interesting at a couple points. And by the end, I was just like, what the fuck is going on in in the like behind the scenes right now? It's probably like like... like just an editing mistake. They were like, they put the wrong (laughs) frame in. They were like, I refused to see Like, oh, I kind of like that. He was like, no one will notice. Let's do a whole song with it. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Like, I really do think like they're just maybe trying out things for American Horror Stories next season. Uh, I don't know. Oh, speaking of, they announced the um, title of it. Yeah, Coven. Coven or Coven. As or Coven. If you've ever seen American movie, that's all I can think of. Um, with Kathy Bates. Yes, I'm excited about that. And Jessica Lang, which is 
well, yeah. I, I mean, don't think I know she's it. always in it, but but, but the still. two of them together is what I'm excited about. That that is very exciting. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that. Except I ho- like, I don't know. I'm surprised that's what it is because they like dispelled that rumor so many times that it would be witches or that it would be witches and Salem and blah blah blah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, we still don't know the details, so we'll see. Um, at least it's not in space because that was the other rumor. Oh, I wouldn't mind that, but we, I'm, we easy. Have to I'm so easy to please as, as I have Leprechaun on muted in the background. You have to wait a few more more seasons before you right. do in space. Like, no, I, I, it took right. Jason ten movies to get to space. Come on, and, yeah, it took the Leprechaun four. Yeah. Um. All right. Anyway, back to Glee. Right. Okay, so I think that is all the plot. Yeah. So let's do songs. Okay. Um. I didn't. I. Yeah, my notes are bad on them. The first song how, was Brody singing a song about rules. Yeah, how to, that was How to Be a Heartbreaker by Marina and the Diamonds. I'd never heard this song before. Okay. Um, the dancing was really fun. I did wonder if it was a hotel that specialized in hookers. I was trying to figure that out. Like, I, I mean, I watch a lot of SVU, so I, I feel like I know a lot of these things. But I, it was very much like a hotel where you had rich women and young male escorts. Yeah, and I don't it. know that those things exist like that. They must. It's New York. Everything exists, doesn't it? That's true, I suppose. But the dancing was really fun because you had, like, ballroom dancing kind of just going on around things and him dancing with the chick as he's singing. So I, I enjoyed this one, even though the song itself wasn't anything to me. But mm-hmm. the dancing really worked for me. Yeah. Um, how do you not know the name of the next song? How do you only I, know the Madonna half? I don't know, but I really wasn't, I was just like, I don't, like, once the once Unique started singing, I'm like, oh, Dress You With My Love, I know the song, but I don't know why I didn't know Ryder, when Ryder was singing it. He was singing The Bitches Back. Yeah, I don't know. Do Elton John. You don't know. Did I ever listen to Broadway? Trojan? No. no. So, anyway. Probably <laughs> so um, this was a mashup. Yes. It was fine. Um, it was a, a good mashup in that it was, you know, it was a mashup that was interestingly mashed up, I guess. Um, but vocally, I'm not cr- like crazy about Ryder. And while I don't mind, while Unique singing is the only time I don't mind Unique, mm-hmm. um, it still wasn't, just wasn't that exciting to me, this one. So it was a. I, yeah, and I feel like it wasn't the best song to mash up. Like, I feel like they could have picked a better Madonna song to mash up with The Bitches Back. Because The Bitches Back is such a, it's a strong statement song. And Dress You Up In My Love is a fluffy pop song. I'll buy that. Um, that I really enjoyed Santana. Snooker. Oh, me too. She yeah, we had choreography, we had violins, we had Santana singing, like, well and everything. So yeah, it's Cold Heart of Snake. I'm, I'm, I was all for it. Yep, Paula Abdul. Who doesn't love Paula? Mm-hmm. Um, then we had Finn and Will doing a mashup of Bye 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 and I Want You Back, which is NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. I enjoyed this because... I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> oh, completely. Um, but they did the strings. I I missed that tour. I used to have that, the <laughs> NSYNC No Strings Attached tour on like VHS, and I used to watch it all the time, and I wish I still had it. It might have been on DVD at that point, actually, because it was... Maybe I had a DVD player then. It was like probably like 2000. Mm. Um, I wish I still had it on tape though. I was a, I wasn't a Backstreet Boys fan. I was an InSync fan. I I bought into that rival and mm-hmm. hated the Backstreet Boys because of it. Even though I started out liking the Backstreet Boys, and I was like InSync, yeah. <laughs> 
See, I I was never a big boy fan, boy band fan, but I remember my friend Karen was a huge NSYNC fan, and she had anytime I was in her car, she would have the same CD playing. So I actually ended up like learning a lot of the songs and kind of liking them from that. So it's a great album. Yeah. Oh, it is. Like, and the songs are genuinely good. Um, and this was just fun. Like, even Matthew Morrison looked like he was having a really good time with it. Well, he got to be in a boy band again. Like, yes. We all know that's all that Will <laughs> that's wants to his do. Real dream. Um, and Sam wore a cute boy band hat. Which was really cute, I thought. Um, um, although I do think at the end they gave Will, who was doing the InSync song, a line from the Backstreet Boys song, and that annoyed me. I see. I understand. Um, but it, it also just proves my point that the boys have been the best part of Lima. Yep. And just, just further proof of that. Even when it was the two quote unquote boys who I care the least for, Finn and Will. Um, this was just really fun. Um, and then there is the another mashup of I Still Believe and Super Bass, which is Mariah Carey and Nicki Minaj. And this really I hated it so much. I mean I like Blaine. I always like Blaine. Blaine's singing, Blaine's dancing, he's got on sneakers, I'm happy watching him. But and again, it was like the director having some fun with the staging. But I just yeah, I also felt bad for Jane Lynch. Um, and the other thing is, I like the other two mashups in this episode. Like, felt like actual mashups where you mm-hmm. like when they did Bye Bye Bye. Like the music of Bye 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 continued, and they sang I Want It That Way over it. Like this was just I think Wayne said it like last feedback. This was just two songs interrupting each other. Right, right, right. Like it didn't feel like a cohesive song. Mm -hmm. It felt like they were just interrupting each other. And um, I did. I saw Jane Lynch on Conan, and she was like, "Yeah, I don't know what Conan asked her, but she was like, I do know all the words to Nicki Minaj Super Bass. Like she was like proud of it. And it's just I was just like, oh, how are you not embarrassed by this? Why?" Why are you doing this on talk oh. shows? I don't understand. It made me so sad. They have to shill, Erica. They always have to shill. Uh, but All she right. did the rap on Conan. It was depressing. Um, <laughs> and then lastly was Closer by Tegan and Sarah. I Yeah, I didn't know this one. It was just everybody singing. It was fine, but I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. It's the same way the show ends every week, which they need to Lately, learn yes. yeah. <laughs> to end the show in a new way because this is getting old really fast. Well, like, and it, I mean, it it was great, you know, season one when they ended with somebody to love and it yeah. like made me cry and it was I like get chills, but a great yeah. moment because it meant something and now they've done it so many times that it doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've got, I'm just watching, they're doing, they're re- releasing Jurassic Park in 3D. Did I not know yeah. this? I did. They're making Jurassic Park 4 too. I know that I'm excited about because I'll always take more dinosaur movies. Um, like I would kind of like to see Jurassic Park on the big screen again, but. Oh, I definitely do. Are you doing the, th- are you going to go for the 3D? Um, if that's the only way I could see it, then yeah. Mm, gotcha. I just want to see right. it in the theater again. I, my grandpa took me to see that. He had to like, Aww. I was young. He had to like call my mom and ask permission. <laughs> it, was it was what ninety two, right? So you were nine. Yeah, and it was PG thirteen. Oh, but she said I remember yes. going to see it with my dad. He took me. Yeah. Oh, anyway, wow, we're old. That yeah. was Erica. That was twenty one years ago. Yeah, that's, no, I don't want to talk about that. Here's a go twenty one. Don't here's talk, a, don't talk go. about. No, that. I, I'm having such an old feeling weekend. You you heard about my eyes? I, I finally yeah. went to the eye doctor. Yeah. 
she gave me the spoon to cover up my one eye and read the letters. <laughs> She's like, okay, can you know, what do you see? I'm like, nothing. She's like, you can't. I'm like, I see blur. She's like, okay, okay, God, let me try it again. And she makes it like, does the second level. And I'm like, no. I, I see four blurs. She's like, okay, let's try it again. And then I'm like, there's a D. She's like, oh, okay, it's not a D, but okay, what else do you see? I'm like, yeah. Um, do you know what your what your um, position is? In my left eye, I'm 2050, which isn't so bad. Oh, in so my right eye, I'm 2150. I don't see. I don't know those numbers. I uh, know. I know. Like, I'm nearsighted my, and have astigmatism. I'm nearsighted, and, but I know like my contact lens numbers. Uh-huh. Like my contact lenses are minus six and minus six five. Well, it's so cool because, like, I mean, I haven't been to the eye doctor in, like, two-ish years. And because I really never went as a kid, like, I'm still, like, totally impressed by everything. So, like, I hand her my – she's like, can I see your glasses? And I give them to her. And she puts them under a machine, and the machine tells her what my prescription was. Oh. And I'm just – I'm like, that's so cool. She's like, it is pretty cool, huh? I'm like, yeah, what else do you have in here? <laughs> and, like, I'm just, like, watching everything. And, like, I'm – oh, man, it's it's crazy. Um even though it, it's kind of sad because I'm my eyes are getting worse and that upsets me because it means I'm getting old. But anyway, uh, high notes, low notes. Um, there were a couple of good lines this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, who had I? Oh, I like um, that Sue calls Blaine young Burt Reynolds. Yep. Which I feel like she has before, has she? She did. She yes, because I remember it was last season, early in the season. She calls him that, and he has like a smile, and he kind of smiles like yeah. he's proud of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that writer has Star Wars sheets, namely because you had a Star Wars comforter until very uh-huh. recently. Oh yeah, yeah, I still have it actually. Now my cats are on it because it got too uh, worn down for me. Um, I did like that moment when uh, Santana left, and Rachel was like, "I think I think she took my comforter," and Kurt was like, "Bitch took my <laughs> pillow." <laughs> It was uh, the delivery of that line was great by Chris. Yeah, it was. I think that's it. Yeah, um, I didn't write down any of mine, but I, I would say a few I had were um, the songs were a little more um, ambitious than they have been lately. Just the mashups. So that made me happy. Even though nothing really spoke to me, I just they felt a little more creative, I guess. Okay. Um, the kind of look... There was a new look to a lot of the scenes. And I think a lot of that, like we said, was Bradley Buecher auditioning for American Horror Story. Possibly. Um, yeah, because, I mean, even the hotel and the dancing and, like, it was just such a weird looking episode that I give it credit just because it, I don't know, they just tried things and some of them worked and some of them didn't. But whatever. It was visually more interesting than it has been. Um, the fact that it made me like Marley for once was impressive, I thought. Um, and, I mean, I like the idea if Will does the very logical thing, which is now goes to college and gets his teaching degree. That's That makes sense. You mean Finn. You said Will. I meant Finn. Well, Will still needs one for teaching history, but anyway. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so those are my high notes. Low notes. Um, that it was a false alarm pregnancy. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I was happy they got that right out of the way. But, like, why do it then? I don't... What did, what did we gain from Rachel thinking she was pregnant? I don't know. I think we gained that. Like I said, I like that scene with Santana where where Santana kind of gives her a lecture and Rachel kind of doesn't listen, but probably does. So for me, that in itself was kind of subtle, but it worked. I feel like we could, we could have had that scene in a different way though. But I don't think it would have had the same weight. Like we could have had Santana lecturing Rachel about not knowing this guy who she let move in with her, but it wouldn't have meant anything. Whereas 
you thought you were pregnant and what would you have done if you were it is to me a very different conversation than I just don't like your boyfriend. Um, I guess. Um, yeah. And then just the biggest low note was just Sue was Nicki Minaj. Yeah. That was just yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. And unique annoyed me whenever she spoke. Well, yeah, I, I think I started to just tune out the people I don't like. I just stopped paying attention. I can understand that. <laughs> um, in the stray observation, there was a lot of Tina bashing this week. There was. And I kind of felt bad. Like, sometimes it's funny and sometimes I find it kind of mean. And this week, for whatever reason, I found it kind of mean. Well, it's uh, kind of like Jerry on Parks and Rec. Like, sometimes I'm like, ha, Jerry, you're so dumb. And then other times I'm like, why are they so mean to Jerry? <laughs> this week was so, Jerry had such a great moment, though. You watched this week's episode, right? Of Parks yeah. and Rec? When Jerry's, like, kind of talking to Chris about being a dad, and he's like, you know, it, it's funny, yeah. you know, you're going to be scared, but then you, you know, you keep going, and uh, you just, I'm, just, I'm sorry, nobody's ever let me talk about this. It's a cute Jerry moment. Oh, this was, I really like this week's park. I, I, ha- I really love this season in general. Um, I, I There's something I wanted to talk to you about, because I asked you while I was watching it if you'd watch it yet. And oh, like, right, and I hadn't at the time. I can't remember what it was now. What happened this week? This week was the um, Jason Schwartzman guest starred as the video store oh, owner. Oh, I know. It was it was fucking Mona Lisa. I couldn't stomach oh, her. Yeah. I couldn't take that whole storyline, but it added to a good episode. So It oh. did. And, and right. Rob Lowe had a really good episode. He did. And I just, I love seeing Rob Lowe discover his the perfect role for him. Yeah. Like, he's so good on Parks and Rec. Um. Oh, oh, other stray observation I had was um, Wayne pointed it out a few weeks ago, and it really doesn't fail to terrify me every time Leah Michelle comes on to sell me L'Oreal shampoo. Because it, like, especially the scene ended, like, whatever scene it was, like, it was kind of this, like, quiet, sweet scene, and all of a sudden, do you want to have shiny hair? She <laughs> is the worst spokeswoman ever. Yeah, she's not great. Oh, God, it's horrifying. Um, but that's everything I have on this episode. Mm-hmm. Shall we delve into feedback? Sure thing. All right. We've got two feedbacks. Yep. You want me to start with Beth's? Sure. Um, hers is entitled Glee Episode 416, Feud, Okay, Not a Clever Subject Line. Hi, Emily and Erica. I hope as of this podcast, you're feeling better, Erica. Thank you. I want to thank you both for suggesting I go back and look for Howard the Duck and the NeverEnding Story on disc. I ordered both and am looking forward to spending some quality time with both the Duck and Bastion. I guess I will have to feud it out with my kids as to which one to watch first. Looking back over this, I think this is the most awkward segue into talking about Glee since Blaine said, it's not right, but it's okay. Sorry, (laughs) ladies. It's late and I'm not feeling all that clever. (laughs) However, I really enjoyed this really weirdly entertaining episode of Glee called Feud. Starting with Will. I really want to know how. I'm sorry. I really want to know how our kids like Howard the Duck because it's such a weird movie. Um, starting with Will berating Finn. Yes, the writers didn't sweep Finn kissing Emma and how Will felt about it under the rug. I got really excited. I was ready for a smackdown. And we had some fun upfront moments. Will complaining about the coffee, his vest not being perfect, false compliments to Ryder, watching Finn crack complete with the ominous fall of a kicked music stand. Something has to give. I was still hoping for blood. It might just happen. Then we switch to Rachel coming out of an office, and we know it has something to do with the pregnancy because they hung up a poster with a baby on it to clue us in. (laughs) Rachel announces it was a false alarm, and at least one of us, that would be me, was quite happy they resolved the Mm storyline in such a simple manner. Well, Rachel... Can you hear my dad's TV? (laughs) 
Can I hear your what? My dad's TV. It's really loud. I cannot. He's watching The Hobbit and it just got so loud and I was like, I wonder if they could hear that. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's a little distracting. Excuse me. Uh, will Rachel learn anything from this? If she is, if she is like many sexually active young people who don't always use protection, probably not. I know I sound harsh, but as a midwife, I've been through many of these false alarms. Now, just in case you're all wondering how a false alarm occurs, here is the simplest explanation. 50% of all contraceptions fail in the first couple of weeks. Most of the time, we women don't even know it. Sometimes the egg implants and sends out hormonal signals all through the body. Hey, we are pregnant, even though the baby doesn't form past the 16 cells stage or so. You end up with a positive pregnancy test. Your period runs late and you can feel sick. Then your body catches and either to disappointment or excitement, you find out you are not pregnant. Santana's little lecture about assessing your life and choices is rather mature and familiar. Mm-hmm. can't tell you how many times I've offered the same sage advice. No one listened to me, well, maybe a few, so Santana, don't expect Rachel to listen to you either. And we switched to a lovely hotel lobby, and I think to myself, oh, great, we get to see Brody screwing around, and a most awesome thing happened. How to be a heartbreaker. Started... How to Be a Heartbreaker started up with Brody singing and all the couples dancing, and I found it to be really exciting. I mean, who doesn't love staircase dancing? So I totally Mm -hmm. got into this number. Rachel starts singing in front of a broken glass window, and lots of mature things are happening. I absolutely loved it. And then there was the icing on the cake. Brody said, you know I only take cash, right? And I flashed back to the movie Requiem for a Dream, and I wanted to hug (laughs) the Glee writers on this one. Oh, God, I haven't seen Requiem in forever. I I mean, this episode was channeling it. It really was. (laughs) Um... Up next, Sue and Blaine start up their feud. Now, this should be fun. Sue is drinking some really strange colored liquid, and I go to that bizarre place in my brain and wonder if it's her baby girl's placenta all ground up. (laughs) Sorry, I just had to go there. Blaine has a middle name. Tina is ignored once again, and I find this delightfully amusing. Writer chatting online with Katie XOXO. Did anyone else hope she turns out to be a cougar or an (laughs) undercover cop? Both, I hope. Then he had his run-in with Unique, and we get the first shove of the night. So Will shits on Finn so they can have the nastiest fe- music feud ever. Okay, whatever. Uh, Santana and Rachel start up a mini feud over Brody, and I am so happy Santana is back, and although I would have to kill her in real life, she is a fun character to watch. She sneaks into the bathroom and Brody is showering and steals his pagers. I know she is up to no good, and I am excited to see what she's going to do. Back to McKinley, Becky hands a a jar of cover boy to Blaine, and he's thrilled. Our boy Blaine recognizes high-end hair gel when he sees it. We break into the best visual gags of the night with Blaine tapping his head, yelling, (laughs) it's cement. Poor Blaine. (laughs) It only gets worse. Sue hired a plane with a banner, proclaiming Blaine is a bottom, and cleaners everywhere get the confirmation they are looking for. The boys are versatile. I expect to see a surge in in clean fanfic this week. (laughs) That would make sense. On the other hand, I worry about how to explain this to my 11-year-old son. I pre-screen Glee <laughs> just for these moments. If he does ask why Blaine is upset with being on the bottom, I think I shall merely explain this is for, for the bottom of a cheerleader pyramid and Blaine would pre- prefer to be near the top. Fair After enough. all, my 11-year-old has a gay older brother and I don't want him asking about tops and bottoms at this point in his life. So Sue and Blaine are going to battle out in song and I think, cool, bring it on. That is Because that is something that really bothers me when people talk about... Because it's not like you ever ask that of a man and a woman. Nope. And so it does, it is one of those, I think, like, really insensitive questions that sometimes get asked to gay men. But anyway. Yeah, no, it's true. 
Um, Marley and Jake fight in the hallway, and she says the first unintentionally funny line of the night. She hasn't minded the fact that both of them, Ryder and Jake, are into her. And I thought, yes, yes, Glee has had a threesome with penetrative sex. Sorry, I can't stand the whole Marley thing. I do like <laughs> her when she's singing, but that's it. Move on. Unique and Ryder battle. Uh, unique and Ryder's battle is oh, bleh. battle it out. Battle it out musically with bitches back, dress you up in my love. Nicely done mashup, complete with backstory. I'm really digging the tambourine player this season. He's totally into it. <laughs> and which bathroom does Unique use? I'm betting the girls. Sue practicing her Nicki Minaj faces with Becky. Again, I am so easily amused. I love this. We switch back to Niata, where Kurt is apparently moving his, his scaffolding from his high school musical audition last year. Brody mentioned... Um, where he has apparently moved his scaffolding. Brody mentions Cassie, so I guess she's in rehab or something, but still collecting paychecks from Niata. Santana walks up in a bitchin' little black dress and the cutest pair of calf-high boots, and I know something good is going to go down. She plugs in an iPod or phone, and I get briefly nostalgic for Ohio's need to use cassettes and other obsolete technology. (laughs) Okay, Finn and Will... Phil, I'm just going to call them Phil from now on. I like that. <laughs> okay, Phil, duel it, out, duel it out. And I briefly wonder if the Warblers are making a special guest appearance, as it sure sounds like the Warblers at the start. The feud mashup is, is easy on the ears, but nothing too special. The two hug in a dream sequence, and for a moment I was hoping that Will would pull, pull out a knife and stab Finn. <laughs> but it turns out that didn't that they didn't really hug, and we don't get a heartfelt makeup scene. Okay. Back to New York, and we get a cameo from Kurt, and I think to myself, the Kurt edits and gifts are really going to be sparse this week but Kurt gets the most epic lines of all when he asks Santana in total serious did you confront him Brody at Niata with a Paula Abdul song followed up by his <laughs> bitch took my pillow it is followed up by his bitch took my pillow and I was howling totally absurd and delightfully fun Blaine versus Sue. Well, we all know I love Blaine, and I'm happy to hear him sing a girl song again. I love this mashup because it was simply silly and campy, and I will smile whenever I whenever I hear it when it pops up on my iPod shuffle. Sue wins, of course. I mean, who can compete with feathers and motorcycles? Finn is leaving, and I get mixed feelings. First of all, Finn has his own office, but then I think, hey, maybe this is how we get Finn to New York and to, and to a college out there, and maybe season five will turn into the Kurt and Rachel's cool-off show after all. More Marley stuff, blah, blah, blah. Second great unintentionally funny line of the night. Ryder telling Jake he has good hands, and if he gives him the ball again, then he won't let him down. And I just roll (laughs) on the floor laughing and crying, because that is so hilarious and can be read on so many levels. Mm -hmm. And then Jake responds, yeah, but it might take a little while, and I get... And I laugh until my sides hurt. Glee writers, you guys are so twisted. <laughs> Kitty comes in, and, well, I like Kitty. I mean, who threatens to put Nair in a Mean Girl shampoo is cool in my book. Then Ryder says something really strange and perhaps foreboding. He says, Artie and Tina and Sam and probably Brittany are all going to be gone next year, but no mention of Blaine. Then I start to worry, what about Blaine? Oh, please, Glee writers, don't leave him in Lima. Send Blaine to New York so we can leave McKinley behind once and for all. Anyway, Sue is lecturing Blaine in his Cheerios outfit, and I can't help but admire Blaine's cute butt and scold myself for being such a cougar, but it really is cute. So it seems Blaine is really going undercover to bring Sue down. Yikes. Then we accidentally switch to a scene outtake from The Shining. Exactly. <laughs> and I hope we see creepy little girls or good old-fashioned blood flood. <laughs> but no, it's just Brody and Santana has him by the balls. Finn appears and beats the shit out of Brody. I am happy because it's not just a shoving match. We are treated to broken furniture and everything. Only thing missing is blood, but otherwise it is most enjoyable. 
Another random Glee Club ending song, which everybody hates but me. I love them. <laughs> so season one. I also love <laughs> Tina's dress. It looks like one I wore when I was six years old, many, many years ago. <laughs> Ryder's back at the computer and wants to do a hookup with Katie. She goes offline. Oh, oh, is this a good thing or bad thing? You know I what? I don't know. I didn't even see this. I turned off the episode before this happened. Oh, seriously? Yeah, I was like, oh, they're singing. It's over. I'm done. Well, we, I mean, we don't know what happens. It ends with him, like, looking around. Um, Ryder's back at the computer and wants to do a hookup with Katie. She goes offline. Uh-oh, this, is this a good thing or bad thing? I mean, look what happened with Blaine and his hookup. My mind goes wild. What if Ryder gets kidnapped and sold in the white male slavery ring or something else? Would that be such a bad thing? Maybe I should write a standalone fanfic before next week's episode. Well, uh, closing now to go do some other writing, Beth. Thanks, Beth. Thanks, yeah, Beth. I totally missed that ending. I, I was like, oh, they're singing. I don't like this song. I'm just going to turn it off now. Yeah. And then he's like, you want to meet? And then it's just like, look around, look around. I don't know. It's creepy. You know what's going to be? I, I bet I know what it's going to be. It's going to be freaking back brace girl. Neck brace girl. Oh, probably. I guarantee it. Because that's what Glee does. They do. I, I just want to point out Mookie and Joplin have cuddled together and Mookie's cleaning Joplin and it's really cute. Oh, either that or it's actually unique. Catfishing him. Oh, he's getting catfished because cat- I mean he's got to be getting catfished. Catfish is the the first buzzword of 2013. <gasps> I know who it is. It's Shelby Corcoran. <gasps> it is. It's Shelby. Back. We know she likes younger men. She does. Or or you know it would be really great if it was um um Terry Terry Schuster. Oh, I was thinking it should be the um. I thought you were gonna say I can't remember. Pat Rutherford. No, I can't remember his name on the show. The teacher with the with the hat. <gasps> Sandy. Yeah, uh, Stephen Tobolowski. Could be Sandy. It's Sandy. Ryder is getting catfished by Sandy. Oh man. Someone write that fanfic. A girl could dream. <laughs> okay, and now our next bit of feedback comes from the one and only Wayne Kotke, who titles his email "Did Glee Turn Into a Gender Reversed Eyes Wide Shut This Week?" And he writes, "Katie and Nicole." <laughs> Once more into the beach, as they say, after last week's pleasant but uneventful girls and boys on film, Glee decided to do an episode which was pretty much wall-to-wall conflict and confrontation. The question, though, is, do I care about any of these stories? Right now, the answer is no. So I guess Feud was entertaining enough, but I didn't really have a rooting interest in any of these battles. It was like watching roosters peck each other to death for 40 minutes, but with songs and choreography. For now, let's open this bag of Skittles and taste the rainbow. Will and Finn are still making way too big of a deal out of that goddamn kiss. Maybe in the Gleeverse, kissing someone is the equivalent of working your way through the Karma Sutra whilst lathered in baby oil. I don't know. I think the show is still too concerned about protecting the innocence and chastity of its female characters, but that's a whole other rant. I do agree with that. Anyway, it's kind of fun to see Will be a dick to Finn, but Matthew Morrison doesn't quite have the acting chops to pull this off. And you know he won't get any help from quirky man-tooth in that department. <laughs> so this winds up being a bronze medal effort. I did like the part about Will fake complimenting Ryder to hurt Finn, which is exactly what he did. Hey, Glee, do you know what would be a great idea? Choose a word and then make a whole episode around it. Make it the title of the episode, write it on the whiteboard in the choir room, and above all, have the character say it in virtually every scene, even when it's super awkward to do so. Honestly, ladies, sometimes I feel like Glee is just a really slow ESL course in which we learn the meaning of one word a week. You could totally teach an ESL course by just showing one episode of Glee a week. You could. And today, we're talking about theatricality. 
hey, guess what? Rachel's not preggers after all. Glee has lamely backed out of yet another plot complication, and all the precious network airtime lavished on this story has been wasted. Oh, and now Santana is the good advice fairy or something. Aha! Now we get into the eyes wide shut territory I was rooting for. Grody Brody to be a man whore instead of a drug dealer, and I kind of sort of got my wish. Now we all know that in the real world, Brody would be what's referred to colloquially as trade. But this is Glee, so instead Brody peddles his wares in what I guess is a really fancy sex club somewhere in New York. I would have to say it's a hotel, but the only people there are rich women buying sex and young men selling it. The, those two groups make up 100% of the clientele from what I could glean. That makes it a sex club, and there's probably a password to get in. If you ever run across that place in your travels, say Fidelio to the doorman and see what it gets you. I'm going to try that. Although then they're going to think I'm a rich woman paying for sex, and I'm neither of those things. So maybe I won't. But I kind of want to know. Hmm. You know what made me jealous? You know the um, the Macbeth thing that I keep forgetting what the, what it's actually called? But the thing in New York that's at the hotel that's basically... Oh, oh Never Sleep Again. Never Sleep Again, yes. Dita Von <laughs> was there recently. Wouldn't that have been awesome to just like go to Never Sleep Again and have Dita Von be there just and be like, oh, I would have died. Yeah, except you great... can't talk during it. Right. There was a great um, Law and Order SVU episode that did like Never Sleep Again where really? it was like, but the girl really gets attacked during it. It was a really bad episode, but it was kind of great. Okay. Um... Wayne continues, Blaine and Sue had a mostly comedic subplot this week whose purpose seemed to be kissing the respective asses of Mariah Carey and Nicki Minaj, the new idol judges whose suspiciously fakey rivalry has gobbled up too much press already. Basically, this whole story was a stealth ad for the sagging, flagging American Idol. It was cute, but inconsequential and merits no further comment. Just when Ryder was starting to win me over as the least awful of season four he spends virtually the entire episode exchanging incredibly stupid and annoying text messages with some mystery girl with whose identity we're supposed to care. I'm pretty sure it's Marley, yawn, but I'm holding out hope that it's Sandy Ryerson. <laughs> Wayne and I were on the same page this season. Wait, but he has the name wrong. It was Ned Ryerson was was Stephen Tobolowsky's character in Groundhog Day. What was, what was his... And what? Yeah, because it's the same actor from Ned... No, wait... No, wait, no. What are you trying to say? His name was definitely Sandy Ungly. But Ryerson, wasn't Ryerson the name in Groundhog Day? Oh, it's going to bug me now. I'm I'm IMDBing, just wait. IMDB, it's going to bog me quite a bit. I think... His name was just Ned in... in... Was his character named Sandy Ryerson? Maybe it was. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm getting there, slowly but surely. Yeah, Sandy Ryerson, yes. Oh, wow. His name okay, was just... He didn't have a last name, according to INDB, in, in Groundhog. Okay. I had the names, like, all cross-changed and everything. Oh, well. Anyway, Wayne continues. Oh, and when he's not texting banalities, Ryder is apparently feuding with Wade this week. Wade's acting has not gotten any better, and the habit of referring to himself in the third person is the exact opposite of endearing. I'm worried that watching Glee will actually make me homophobic and pro-bullying, because this character is so irritating and detestable. I understand that sentiment. You betrayed me in the worst way possible, says Will to Finn. And I say, one guess? That's the worst way possible to betray someone? Maybe if you're Judas Iscariot, yes, but not here. Without even trying, I can come up with several dozen worse ways Finn could have betrayed you. Another boring Jake Marley conversation actually caused me to have minor revelation about this series. No, really. When these two boring lovebirds start discussing their boring relationship problems, they're standing on opposite sides of the hallway. Other students are all around them, but Jake and Marley speak as if they're alone, and the other kids can't seem to hear them. 
This is too weirdly staged to be accidental. I sent some old school M. Night Shyamalan bullshits afoot. Maybe only we, the audience, can see the other kids in McKinley. Or maybe the other kids can't see Jake and Marley. Either way, they exist in separate yet somehow overlapping dimensions. Maybe the infamous neckbrace girl is some kind of gateway between these two dimensions. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Well, do you have a better explanation? <laughs> uh, good point, Wayne. I'm still holding out hope that the end of the series is going to all turn out to be a dream inside the snow globe that Becky shakes. Yeah. It feels like they've already done cold-hearted snake, but I guess they haven't until this episode. But I'll say it again. It's not sexy when people dress in black and crawl around on scaffolding. Where did that absurd idea even start? Also, is it a coincidence that this song is by Paula Abdul, a former American Idol judge and the woman whom Mariah and Nikki are currently trying to emulate. Mm-hmm. Oh, snap. Mm-hmm. I really don't care about the boy bands of the 90s. At the time, I probably hated them. I don't really remember. So anyway, I couldn't give two shits and a goddamn about this Backstreet and Sync thing, though the Marriott strings are a nice touch, the marionette strings, and it's hilarious to see Matthew Morrison do his angry Hulk smash face. Hey, speaking of 90s nostalgia, Santana is being kicked out of a loft in a moment directly lifted from another one of the real world episodes. But this leads to the best line of the show. Bitch took my pillow. Mm -hmm. Oh, and now Finn is getting the life lessons from Marley. The furniture in that room is smarter than these two. Holy crap on a pita. Kill it. Kill it with fire. Okay, okay, I'm fine. It just lay Michelle's L'Oreal out again. (laughs) I should tell you that the building where I work has a gigant- gigantoid pictures of Leia's face plastered in the food court and on the pillars outside. Thanks a bunch of L'Oreal. Seriously, it is terrifying. Have you watched them? Yes, I agree. They're scary. Like, it's the most aggressive way to sell shampoo I've ever seen. Tina Fey, I love you, but Mission looks really shitty. Sorry. Oh. I'll watch anything with her and Paul Rudd. I don't really care. I, I like them both a lot, but uh, well, there you go. I'll take other people's words for it. I've seen it marketed two different ways, so I'm curious which mm. is the actual film. Yeah, I do feel like that's a movie that is not lending itself well to trailers. So Yeah. And now we come back to the episode Low Light. All the boring and or irritating new characters convene in one room and say dumb shit to each other for a few minutes and it's supposed to be heartwarming and blah, 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 blah. Maybe that's why I'm not feeling this week. Too much focus on the newbies. To make it worse, they actually remind us that the few interesting characters left in Lima will be graduating soon. And we'll be stuck with these lame-ass wannabes. Ugh. Oh, by the way, Kitty's personality has changed again. Is she sincere? Is she faking? I just, I don't, I don't know. Let's move on. And now Blaine is going to bring down the Cheerios from the inside. Where have we seen this story before, class? Show of hands? Anyone? Anyone? That's right, season one. Except then, it was Cheerios infiltrating the Glee Club. The snake is eating its own tail, folks. But then, finally, and at long last, we come to the unquestioned and unquestionable highlight of the episode, the whole sequence in which Brody is ambushed by Santana and Finn. (laughs) This is just awesome on top of awesome. Where to begin? Okay, I've already said that Brody's story reminded me a bit of Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. Not to mention that since he's a male prostitute servicing lonely females, he's also reminiscent of Jude Law in AI, the film that Steven Spielberg completed on Kubrick's behalf. So anyway, the sequence starts with an extremely Kubrick-esque shot of the hallway using the director's trademark one-point perspective. Stanley would have loved that carpeting, too. Meanwhile, the ominous rumbling noise in the soundtrack seems to come from David Lynch, while those little jump cuts and flash frames are directly out of David Fincher's Fight Club. In summary, this is a film nerd's dream. (laughs) Clearly. I honestly did not expect Finn to be the one to come out of the bathroom. I thought it was going to be Rachel or Kurt or someone who would already be in New York. We had just seen Finn a few scenes earlier in Lima, and he seemed to be in a positive mood and taking his first step towards his new chosen profession, teaching. But now here he is, wailing on Brody like a psychopath and screaming, Stay away from my future wife! 
This was totally out of the blue, and I loved the hell out of it. Honestly, this entire hotel sequence raised my grade for the episode by a whole letter. We had been in C-minus territory for most of the show, but now we're scraping B-minus territory. But the show goes right into the dumpster again with another one of those goddamn up-with-people scenes, which now seem obligatory in every episode. These are scenes in which the New Directions get together and sing a positive, upbeat song, and everybody's just happy you could puke. I've forgotten what song they did this week, but it felt exactly like the Footloose scene from last week. And they closed it out with some more attempted intrigue with Ryder and his online gal pal who refused to show her face. Now, during the episode, there were occasional cutaways to this young lady, which definitely showed her face. But is that really her or what Ryder thinks she looks like based on her avatar? And why am I still describing any of this when none of it matters? <laughs> so that was Feud. There was nothing really I hated this week. Well, apart from all the newbies gathering in that classroom to remind us how dull and uninspiring they are. Which I do, oh, I forgot, we, we didn't talk about that. But it, I do wonder if that was their, like, note of, like, see, this is what the episode could be like, season could be like next season. Or if they're, like, trying to, like, feel out if fans are going to hate it, which I'm sure most did. I don't know. Yeah, I would hope so. Uh, by the same token, there was nothing, apart from that one fantastic sequence, that I really loved either. Leia's doing too much recycling of its own tropes and traditions. This episode was lousy with them. Mashups, a word of the week, suing costume, etc., etc. And for Christ's sake, Lee, there's nothing you can do to make the Jake Marley Ryder Kitty quadrangle interesting, and this mysterious texting girl is not the solution. Unless, like I said, she turns out to be Sandy Ryerson. Or Terry! <laughs> hey! High five, Wayne! That would be great, too. I don't know, ladies. I wanted to say this was a step forward, but it ended up feeling like a step sideways. Until next time, your obedient servant, Wayne Kotke, who you can find at d2writes.blogspot.com. And he asks, uh, <laughs> um, he attached a song to the email. You see? Oh, thank goodness. Um, he did. And you'll immediately understand why when you hear it. So we'll, we'll play that at the end. Um, I think stepping sideways is an excellent way to describe how I felt about this episode, too. I feel like that's all this entire season has done. Yeah, just, like, keep sidestepping everything. I know. And again, like, this episode was a little more fun, but it didn't do anything. And it, you know, but it it was, I mean, again, for me, it's a little higher than the rest of the episodes of the season because it was just so friggin' weird. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, All right. Next week, I forget what the preview showed. I didn't watch it, obviously, (laughs) because I, I, I didn't even see the end of the show. I can't remember at all what it showed. Um, I don't know, but I think there's like 52 songs next week. Great. I think, yeah, I think it was up to like eight the last time I looked at the, the wiki page because I use the wiki page to get all the songs names, yeah. but I don't know them. Um, song list season four. This is interesting. This is interesting radio right here. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I thought you meant with your you're seeing is interesting. No, no, no. Well, we'll probably be One, late with recording because I'll be away next five, weekend. Six, seven. Yeah, seven, seven songs. Okay, or fifty-two. Same, same yeah. thing, really. Well, seven yeah. is a lot for Glee. It's only a, you know, they only have forty-three minutes, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, we will post on Facebook when we're recording, but it will definitely not be until at least Monday because I will okay. be in at home around. I don't want to talk about it. I'm sorry, but but we'll have, we have something funner coming up later. Yeah, we do. Um, in the meantime, if you want to reach us, come to our Facebook page, um, or it's email Gleecast us at Facebook, or email us at, at Gleecast at gmail.com. Indeed, uh, Erica, may you feel better. Thank you. I'm trying. I'm going to go finish watching Once Upon a Time. Nice. I'm going to finish Game of Thrones. Enjoy. Thank you.
Bye. Bye, everyone. And just a gigolo, and everywhere I go, people know the part I'm playing. Paid for every dance, selling its romance. Oh, the scene. There will come a day, and youth will pass away. What will they say about me? When the end comes, I know they'll suggest the gigolos. Life goes on without me. And just a gigolo, everywhere I go. People know the part I'm playing. Paid for every dance, selling each romance. Oh, what they say. And there will come a day, and youth will pass away. What will they say about me? When the end comes, I know there's a just a jigglos. Life goes on without me, cause I got nobody. Oh, and there's nobody just for me. There's nobody just for me. I'm so sad and lonely. Sad and lonely, sad and lonely. Want some sweet mama? Come take a chance with me, cause I ain't so bad then. Baldy bozzy bat blibap I'm got nobody Oh and there's no matter kiss for me this no matter kiss for me no matter Come and rescue me, cause I ain't so bad. And I'll sing up!